Hello and welcome back to Up The Villa podcast, fourth round FA Cup. What is this? What do we have to do? Seems very strange talking about a fourth round, considering we haven't been in one for absolutely ages. But we go to Stamford Bridge on Friday. Really looking forward to it. It's a big, big chance for Aston Villa to get into the next round. Chelsea are playing Middlesbrough in the semi-final of the Carabao Cup today, Tuesday. So interesting to see what side they field, how they go with that. But I'm really looking forward to it. Hannah, are you looking forward to it just like me? I am indeed. It's like you say, it's a rare occasion that we get to one of these fourth rounds and it's a good opportunity for us to progress even further. And I think now we've had a little bit of a break. Hopefully we've got, you know, a refreshed squad a little bit and it's a really good opportunity to to go and actually do something in a cup competition, which would be an absolute treat, wouldn't it? It would indeed. So, we're going to do something a bit different. We all know the last time Aston Villa won the FA Cup, but probably not many of us are aware of what happened the first time we won the FA Cup. So, got my book, right? Strap yourself in for a little bit of story time, uh, and I'm going to read you what happened the first time Aston Villa won the FA Cup. We have to go back to 1886-87 and the title is Champagne Football. Villa's FA Cup run of 1886-87 exploded into life with a 13-0 first round win against Wensbury Old Athletic. Still the club's record cup victory followed by a 6-0 win over Derby Midland to take Villa to third round tie against Wolverhampton Wanderers. The game ended 2-2 when the replay also finished all square at one goal each. Villa were unhappy with the FA's decision and at the second round shouldn't take place at Wolves ground. Nevertheless, they gained another draw, this time 3-3. The third replay took place at Perry Bar. Freddie Dawson settled any nerves when he put the home side in front inside 10 minutes and a second goal from Archie Hunter put Villa through a 2-0 scoreline. Right, this is where it gets really interesting. A boy in the second, a boy in the round four, and an easy 5 0 win over Horncastle brought a strong Darwin side to Perry Bar for the quarter final. Villa were up 3 0 by half time when champagne was produced and the players were invited to enjoy a drink. The interval indulgence almost proved costly as Darwin quickly pulled two goals back before Villa held on to reach the semi-final for the first time. So Villa on the piss at half-time uh, when they were leading. Uh, so we go through that game. The semi-final draw paired Preston North End with West Bromwich Albion while Villa faced Glasgow Rangers at Crewe. It was, a, it was a game spoken about by many spectators as the finest they had witnessed. Rangers strengthened by players from other Scottish sides comprised practically a Scottish representative team, but Villa arrived in crew straight from a week's training at Holt Fleet and within 10 minutes, Archie Hunter gave them the lead. Rangers equal, equalised, but Hunter restored the advantage in the second half before Albert Brown made the game safe at 3-1. Meanwhile, Albion beat Preston by the same score, which meant a derby in the final at Kennington Oval. Now, it's going to put something on the screen for you as well. So what's on the screen now is a uh, artist impression of the 1887 Cup final. 
So this is what we've got on the screen here now. So this is the Villa in the final of the FA Cup. Uh, Villa returned to Holt Fleet for training the week before the final, while Albion made Ascot their training headquarters. After the unexpected win against Preston, Alb Albion were favourites to win the first All-Midlands final, but the general feeling was that the cup would go to the team that scored first. This proved to be the case. There was no score at the interval, but 10 minutes after the break, Hunter and Richmond Davis combined to supply Dennis Hoggett's who drove his shot past Bob Roberts to put Villa 1-0 up. As Albion faded, Hunter scored a second goal after 88 minutes to become the first Villa captain to lift the FA Cup. There we go. Justin, do you love my story? Yeah, I, I love the history of Villa. I've got that book as well. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal archive of, of the history of Aston Villa. And you can literally... As I'm sure you have on the Saturday, it spent hours just delving through and going back to to all kinds of things. And, and yeah, the early history of, of, of football in this country is fascinating. You know how how everything evolved and how the FA Cup you know came about and, and interesting sort of facts like you know Glasgow Rangers being in the, the English FA Cup at the time. So yeah, really interesting. Um, our history in it. Is unfortunately history. It's a long time ago. I mean, the fifty-seven win was long enough ago, but I think the, the the win before that was probably the same amount of time before that. So our record in the FA Cup post well nineteen hundreds is is pretty dreadful. So it's it's well well beyond time now that we we added another notch onto the FA Cup for me. Yeah, Hannah. When you were at the third round at Middlesbrough, did you did you smell FA Cup vibes? Did you did you sense that the cup was coming back to Birmingham? I didn't smell any champagne, which is maybe where <laughs> it went wrong and why we didn't score until the dying moments of the game. Um, it it does feel different, doesn't it? Like they are, they're they're, they're games that feel almost like. I feel like there's less pressure and more excitement in a cup game because in the league, it's like, you know, every single game, you're working towards this big objective at the end of the season. Just There's just like a lot of league pressure. But in a cup competition, it's like a nice to have and you you get to play some different teams sometimes. And yeah, they do have that slightly different, more special feel. So yeah, I did feel it. I'm disappointed to not be able to go down to... Stamford Bridge on Friday but you know working nine to five and all that um but I think all those six thousand that are lucky enough to be traveling down on a Friday afternoon will have an absolute whale of a time hopefully and even better if if it's a win yeah definitely so let's just take a little look then at the fourth round draw and I'll ask each of you to pick your tie of the round, um, but you can't say Villa. Uh, so we'll kick it off first with Hannah then. So looking at those fixtures, which one of those are you sort of looking at thinking, I'm going to make sure I'm watching this? Oh, right. This is testing my ability to read really quick. Obviously, you know, we've got a uh, Black Country derby, haven't we? Yeah, the Baggies and Wolves. Uh, I think that's, that's a brilliant one, isn't it? And I definitely would want to watch that. But beyond that, um, I'm not sure, you know. I think maybe something like 
to be fair, even the, the Sheffield Wednesday Coventry, which sounds really, really dull, but I feel like they're both teams that could go far, like randomly in a cup competition. Um, so maybe maybe something like that. But it's it's got to be the, the, the West Brom and Wolves game, hasn't it, really, out of that pick? Yeah. Justin, what are you going for? I'm going to Oh, jumps out of the party three. Newport County, Manchester United. Lowest ranked <laughs> team left in the competition at home, which is what you want when you're a lower league team. I'd love them to back a massive upset. And, and you know, the way Man United are at the moment, would you rule it out? It's a one in a hundred chance, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a one in a hundred chance, maybe one in a thousand, but it might be this weekend. You don't know, dear. That, that's the one I'm looking forward to see, seeing. Yeah, yeah. I, I've just got my eye on that that baggies game. You know, I mean, it's it's one of them. You know, they're all probably going to be holding hands, singing "We Ate the Villa," shit on the Villa. Yeah. Uh, they're all going to get. They're all going to like be arm in arm, singing it together, gazing into each other's eyes. Um, from yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm going to watch I've that. Got I've, feeling, you know, I've got a feeling that's going to be a real like. Anti-climax game there. I think it's going to yeah. be built up that much. I just think it's going to be built up that much. Wolves' record at Albion is, is dreadful over the last quite a long time. I, I just don't know. I just think it might be a bit of a. Everyone's expecting to be a blockbuster, but it could be like a one nil ninety second minute or something. You know, just really nothing in it going. Maybe even a draw. Yeah, yeah. couple so of eight cards, got maybe. Yeah, <laughs> couple of dust. That's going to be good. <clears throat> it's gonna be good, right? So Chelsea are up next, and Villa have had a bit of a break, which has been good. Bit of a reset. Chelsea are coming into a bit of form. I think that yeah, they're coming into a bit of form. That they're, they're not as inconsistent as what they have been. Uh, they still throw up the odd poor performance and poor result. Um, but I, I look at Chelsea, and I, I kind of feel like I don't know what I'm going to get with them. Like, that the could be brilliant or they could be like really poor. And I think off the back of that semi final as well, depending on what happens in that, um, it's, it, it's a tough one to really look at, really. But if we go on um, sofa score and have a little look at the uh, form guide of Chelsea, you can all do me a massive favor and scan the QR code and download sofa score or. In the description to this video, click the link and download SofaScore. It's free. Best football app going. You can have this app on your device. Uh, so it helps me out massively if you can click the link in the description and download SofaScore. But as you can see, you've got the form guide on the right-hand side. Um, quite green. Doing all right, aren't they? Uh, Hannah, what would you say about Chelsea then? You know, our proposition of facing them? I think Chelsea, they're a bit of an enigma, aren't they? Like, I just, I feel like, you know, that everyone talks about the fact that they've spent an astronomical amount of money in the last 12, 18 months. And they don't have too much to show for it. They had really poor league finish last season. And started this season in a similar vein. Haven't really pulled together a run of form at all. 
um, you know, we beat them again already this season at their place. So I feel like we're facing a Chelsea team that, that, like you say, are a little bit unpredictable because they still do have the quality on the pitch. You know, they're not bad players. I think it's a little bit of, of that issue where, you know, they signed lots of names in lots of positions without really an idea of what their identity was or what do they want their style of play to be. And then because they've churned through three managers in a couple of seasons, you've constantly got someone new coming in and trying to instill a philosophy and then they want to sign new players. So there's not been a point where they've looked like a cohesive unit. And I think teams have been able to exploit that. We've managed to do it because they've not had a solid foundation where you think if all else goes wrong, you know, this is the core of a Chelsea team and this is how they play and that's how they'll get a result. It's been so higgledy-piggledy. It's a great word. Um, So I think, you know, we have the confidence behind us that we know we can beat them and we have done um, at Stamford Bridge twice in the last two visits, haven't we? But again, you just don't you just don't know. And I feel like we don't want to go into it naive or underestimate Chelsea because it's still Chelsea. And I think we'll have a good idea, like you say, after tonight's game against Middlesbrough, whether they're going to, you know, go full 90 or are they going to go beyond that? How many of their first starting 11 are they going to play? That's going to have a big impact on the type of team we play on Friday because obviously that's a quite quick turnaround. We've had far greater time to to rest and recuperate. But also, you never know if it's going to go to added time or penalties. I'm not sure. Um, what the process is in that stage but they could be playing a lot and lot of minutes in lots of legs um and I imagine they'll want to go strong against Middlesbrough because it's it's yeah. you know the semi-final whereas you know the game against Villa they might see it as it's a sacrifice they're willing to take so I think we'll get more of an idea after after the Borough game but from where we're sitting right now I think it's a game we should be looking at feeling quite confident against we're a unit we know how we want to play we've got really good core to this team now we know whoever we bring in um from the squad is going to be able to settle in and play the Unai Emery way I don't know what the Pochettino way is to be honest um so we have that upper hand and I think that's that's something we can feel positive about yeah me and Justin well Justin's going to do the opposition preview this week he's good friends with uh, the Chelsea lads, so who do a really good podcast as well. So, one thing I what, really want to get a bit of insight when when you do that episode, Justin, is like, do the Chelsea fans feel a little bit of like disconnect with the players? Because you know how we sort of like we've got this tight knit group of players that have sort of been through a bit of a journey with us, and then we've added one or two each season, and we learn to love players like every, like there was a, a picture of Watkins and Moreno, and everybody's like my two favourite Villa players, and like Moreno's only been here a year, so I wonder what like the Chelsea fans feel like about some of these players that just sometimes feel surplus to requirements, like this weird thing that they've got going on is that like if Conor Gallagher if somebody bids for Conor Gallagher for the price that Chelsea want they're happy to sell him yet he's starting every week he's captaining the team every week but if someone bids for him they're going to get rid of and I'm like it really doesn't make sense and I just think if I was a fan I'd just be a bit like 
this is just really weird. I mean, we'll go have a look now at some of their, you know, these are top players of the top scorers from Sofa Score from this season. So you've got Palmer, Gallagher, Enzo, uh, Sanchez, Sterling, Thiago Silva. You know, who do you think um, should Villa be worried about? And why do you think they've got this weird thing that they seem to just be like getting rid of players? I know, I know, because they spend loads of money, but to me, it feels really weird. I think it it, it feeds into the ownership that they've got. Really, I think they've had such a, a prolonged period of success under um, Abramovich. Um, you know, he was lucky that he took the club over at a time where he could literally buy whoever he wanted to, and that's exactly what he did. And then he, that got them on the sort of pathway to, to glory and then established them then in the top teams in Europe, you know, for, for a very long time. They've obviously had a real dip of form and then the ownership changed hands. Um, I think Todd Bowley is a very poor Premier League owner, if I'm honest. I think he he's, seems to be fairly clueless. I think, you know, you look at our owners compared to them. And I think he just thinks he can do what Abramovich did when he first came in, is just literally throw enough, throw enough money at it, it'll work eventually. And it, football doesn't work like that, does it? You know, it's it's a you've got to have a plan, you've got to have a strategy. You know, they've been through two or three managers now, trying to, you know, turn it around. I didn't like Potter's a fit, to be honest. And I think when we were linked with him, I didn't want him to come. I think he did okay at Spurs, but I don't think he's won a lot in his whole career. So I think he's probably got a bit of an inflated sort of opinion of himself. And I think football fans in general have got maybe a bit of an inflated opinion of him. And it just hasn't worked there. And one of the bigger reasons is the amount of players, you know, like you. So how can any football fan have a connection with any player at their club when you literally don't know who's going to come in in the next window? You know, that, that we've seen like huge turnovers in players over like four or five windows now. And they're bringing in multiple players, like six, seven, eight, nine players every window. And they haven't been like squad fillers or youth players that they're trying to sort of develop. They've been like... 60, 70 million pound players that any other club in the country would be thinking, okay, that's a starter for the next 10 years for us. That's the amount of money we're spending on him. So it, it's just a mess. It's an absolute mess. But I, I, I hate to say it, over the last few weeks, they have looked like they're, they're starting to slowly maybe try and drop a bit of form together. Now, whether that's because he's just dropped on a formation or things are, they're just playing better at the moment and they're just. You know, they've just dropped on a way of playing that, that, that suits them. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. But I think they have got a lot of quality players. I think they've got, I've just been a little bit looking, they've got the third youngest squad in the Premier League at 24 years of age. So that you know, that's very difficult to, to sort of establish a team anywhere near that top half when you've got a majority of players in the low 20s. Yeah, I think they lack a bit of experience, apart from Thiago Silva, obviously, at the back. When your captain is a player that, like you say, they're willing to get rid of, how can you, you know, you have any substance or, like, you know, going forward, it's just all over the place, isn't it? I think they need a good two, three years of stability, but I just don't see that happening. I think, I think, you know, I think that the ownership would, would pull the trigger the minute things just didn't work out for them. So, Potch is under huge pressure. I think we go there in, in good spirits. I think we've had a nice break and I think we've got a really, really good chance to progress, you know, with, with Spurs playing City at home as well. If we can knock Chelsea out and they can knock City out, then I think it blows the, the, the FA Cup wide open for us. Yes, you've still got the likes of Man United and Newcastle and Brighton and, and Liverpool in there. 
But I think, you know, one more round of decent draws saying pity the Man United against the Liverpool. And then there's so many teams in there that we're capable of beating quite comfortably. I think this is a massive game for us. I really, really think this is a massive game. Because, yes, it's a bit disappointing that we've drew one of the bigger sides away from home. But we've beat them twice in a row there. I think we've got a great chance of knocking them out. And if we do, I feel like the pathway to potentially at least a final could be open to us. Yeah, and I feel like because we've sort of came through December, we had the point against Everton, we've had this week's break, I'm all right with us playing like a, a, a good team. Like, I don't mind because I think let's let's we've had the break now. We, we haven't got no more excuses now, you know, and we weren't making excuses anyway. Tiredness, etc., blah, blah, blah. Like Chelsea, boom. Newcastle, Tuesday, boom. Like, this is the big time now for these players to step up, it form, and get on a massive run. So it's great preparation. If we just have a little look at Chelsea's home record anyway this season, they're sitting in 11th place with 18 points. Oh, who's that at the top? Oh, that's Villa. Villa still at the top on 28 points. Uh, so Villa's home form is still absolutely amazing. Um, and their away form is that they're higher in the table with their away form anyway. So go ahead, download Sofa Score, helps this channel out, helps us grow, uh, means the world to me. So yeah, cheers up the villa. Right, Hannah. How are you feeling then after this week's break? We you you refreshed um and what is your expectation then? So, what are we looking for now from now until the end of the season? I think what you've just said there is is important about the fact that we, you know we're at the turn of the year and we've got a two quite significant games. I think in a week, so the Chelsea game on Friday, where we need to progress into the the FA Cup. In my head, I think it's so essential to our season. We don't, even if we don't go on and win it as much as I'd like to, I feel like for breaking curses, for momentum, all these different reasons, we need to get far in the cup. So that's a massive game. And then next week, obviously, we'll do a whole new round of content about the Newcastle game. But just looking ahead now, a week out, that is a huge game because. For many reasons, Newcastle obviously are struggling a bit this season. They've had a load of injuries. They're looking at selling players. It's It's gone a little bit south, but we know what they're capable of. We know they're a big team. We know what we did against them at home last season, a really, really like spectacular performance. But we also have to recover from the fact that they absolutely thumped us on the opening day of the season. So that game for me is huge. And like I say, big game in terms of the, uh, the fact we're in a sort of new cycle now, going into this la la latter half of the season. We've had the winter break. We've got through the first half of the season in really good form overall. But we've had this little sort of dip where things have been slightly more up and down, still picking up points, but we've kind of, dropped off performance-wise a little bit, I think. So these two games are huge to sort of get back to where we were, levels of the start of December, for example, when we were beating City and Arsenal at home. If we can kind of pull that off in the next week, 
and get two really significant wins, I think that puts us in such good footing for the rest of the season. It kind of reinforces the confidence of the squad, of the fan base. The manager knows what he's got to work with because we don't we don't know like we're going to have a busy January window. Nobody is. That's just the lie of the land at the minute. So we're not expecting a big shake up. So the the shake up we need to see is sort of in the performances. And I think if we come out of this um, this next week with a couple of big results, we can go into like this next however many games, eighteen or whatever. Um, really hopefully quite confident and feeling like we can again we can beat anyone I don't want to get to the point where we get knocked out the cup and then we have a bit of a shaky one against Newcastle because things start to eke in don't they when you you feel like the the dizzying heights of the start of December start to wear off I don't want to get to that point momentum is so so important and we've seen that look at that league table at home momentum is why we're at the top of that table um we need to keep that going wished we're obviously slightly less good <laughs> away from home but i think a trip to stamford bridge in the fa cup is the perfect first test and i'm still feeling really confident i think i'm excited now i think we have set the tone for the season in you know up until the end the end of january and we've just got to continue it. If you just think, right, we did it for those first five months, go and do it again. That's all we've got to do up until the end of May. Yeah, and I, I, I said, I've said this quite a lot, that teams have moments and every team has certain moments throughout a season that you think, oh God, this was good. This, this, this spurned us on even more. And I think we've had some real big moments so far this season, like, you know, some of the wins against like Chelsea and then we've beat City and we've beat Arsenal. You know, those were, those were really big moments, really big tests that everyone was looking at us thinking, well, can they, can't they? And I think we're still going to have some more of those moments and we need those moments because I keep going back now. When you get to that business end of the season now and that narrative in football is like Villa have got no experience of going for Champions League, Villa have got no experience of going for the league, Villa can't do this, Villa can't do that. But we're actually a team that shouldn't be playing with that much pressure because I think we should go into it thinking, you know what, like... We're not expected to, so let's just keep doing our thing, keep going with what we're going. And I, and I urge the fans to try and get to that stage that we were last season as well, when, you know, we started to dream of Europe, didn't we? We had that little dream at the start when we thought it might be possible, and then it just grew and grew and grew, and you start getting last-minute winners like Troy Ray coming on and curling one at Leicester. You're beating... Um, Spurs at home, you know, if we can get on that, like you're saying, that bit of momentum now, and it doesn't have to be like 18 games worth of momentum, it just needs to be a run. If we can get yeah. a run of something going, you know, and, and that will probably do us and take us over the line. So I think we've just got to all be really positive and just believe in this team and believe in this squad because. I can't reiterate how big a deal it is for Aston Villa to get Champions League football. It absolutely propels this football club to a different dimension. 
the on and off field advantages of playing in the Champions League are absolutely huge. So we just need to like harness positive vibes. And if we can do that, then manifest it. Right, go to bed every night thinking, right, I'm going to be next season, that anthem, I'm going to be watching them players walk out with that anthem. Who knows? It's going to be like 100 mile an hour walking to the dugout. He's going to be walking next to like Ancelotti down the dugout. Like, whatever you can do, just think about the Champions League because it's huge. Um, so, yeah, that's my thought on that. Right, I'm going to last topic we've got. Hannah mentioned like, no one's doing much business, but Aston Villa look like there's bubbles under the surface of some really exciting youngsters coming in. Um, and I've kind of been doing a lot of transfer hubs sort of daily. Uh, so I've said enough so far about recruitment and transfers. And I don't think I've got Justin sorts for, for a while on it. So I've kind of sensed a little bit of a shift in the way in which we are Going at attacking this window, we've got the young keeper from Iceland, looks like he's going to be coming in. We've got the young right back from Red Star, looks like he's already in. And we're looking at uh, Rogers from Middlesbrough. So does that excite you, Justin? Because I've seen a bit of talk of like, you know, we need here and now players. But I've tried to explain that sort of like, three or four years' time, we've got the ability now where we can look ahead a little bit and we haven't been there before. So what are your thoughts on it? I think it's an interesting approach to the window, isn't it? You know, we, I think the here and now players we've got, I, I don't really think we're desperate for, for, for at the moment for, for any real supplements to, to like what you'd class as first-team regulars. I think there's enough to to take us to the end of the season and it looks like the club think that as well but what they have done is they've they've obviously spent a lot of time um, <clears throat> highlighting and trying to analyse and picking players that, that could really add value in, in the coming years you know there's two ways to bring players in isn't there? there's the ready-made superstars that we have to start looking at now especially if we do get Champions League that will come straight into the first 11 and make us better and then there's players that that Every single elite club in Europe, and if not the world, are trying to find is these hidden gems. You know these little rough diamonds that are coming through at their clubs, and and you know we've spread the, the by the look of it, we've spread the net far and wide to try uh, try and you know highlight these talented young players. And it's a difficult market to, to work in because you know the, the the nature of the price of footballers these days means even at these sort of lower end players and, and young players coming through, they're still. That, 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 that you know it takes decent money to get them, but I think I, I've got so much faith in the club. I've got so much faith in Unai Emery because we know he's got the overall control of everything. Yes, he's got people around him like Munchie and <clears throat> other people that, that that you know they're leaning on and, and 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 sort of collecting data for. So I think you know if they feel that these players can come in and add value, whether that's in the short term, medium term, or long term. Then I'm all for it. You know, you, you can't just you can't just buy players for the here and now. You've got to have you know players that can come in and that can take spots. I think we spoke about it before the window opened that one of the areas I wanted us to sign players a player was the goalkeepers. You know, I I actually remember I think I said to you I want to bring in a young keeper that can learn off Emmy Martinez over the next three four years because you know Robin Olsen 
for all the stick he gets, he's, he's an all right backup. He's okay, you know. He's, he's, he's by no means the worst goalkeeper in the league. But what I'd want is a young keeper that's got real high potential that can come in and spend two, three years, four years playing under uh, Emi Martinez, the best keeper in the world, and developing to a, to a point where you know he could potentially take over. You know, we've seen a lot this season two goalkeepers on the bench, so. You know, we know the right back spot is somewhere we need to look at. So, you know, this player, by all accounts, I've never seen him play. But from what you hear and what you read, it's a bit of a coup to bring him in. So, I like the strategy. I think it, it hopefully will, it will bear fruit in the long term. And you've just got to make sure that you trust trust the process, I suppose. And that's what we're doing. You know, I trust this club. I trust the owners. I trust the management and I trust that you know the people that are making decisions on the, you know on this front. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a good way to go. Definitely right. Let's do score predictions then. Um, Hannah, you can kick it off then. What are you going with? I'm going with a nice two nil win for Villa. Nice and love comfortable, that. hopefully. Yeah, love it, Justin. Um. I like this game. I think I'm glad we're coming back to the FA Cup. I don't like saying it's a free hit, but you know it's it's a hopefully no pressure game. We can go there, all guns blazing, and I fancy we're going to knock them out as well. So I'm going to go three one, Villa. Nice, nice. I don't think I don't think either team's going to win. I think it's going to be a draw. Yeah, yeah, I think we're going to get a replay at Villa Park. I think one one is what I'm going with. Um, that's just coming my head. So one one from me. Um, so Maybe we'll have them at Villa Park. Yeah, right, cool. So hopefully everybody's enjoyed the episode. A uh, little bit of history at the start. Uh, and then we've just gave our thoughts on Villa and Chelsea. So for score, link in the description before you go, click that link, download the app, helps us. Cheers, up the villa. Up the villa. Up the villa.